0: I wonder, um, who picked out Spirit of the Living God to sing today? Yeah. You, did you know the connection? I don't think so. You don't know. So that song, that song was written by Dan Iverson, um, who was a pastor of a church in, um, uh, I think, uh, Shenandoah Perez in Miami, Florida, um, his grandson, Dan Iverson, is an MTW missionary, and he was my team leader um, in Chiba, who started Oyumino Church, where I work. So some of you may know Dan and Carol Iverson. They've been missionaries uh, with MTW forever. And, um, they're well-known, his father, Bill Iverson, was one of the founders, uh, helped found the PCA. Um, anyways, uh, just, a, I guess, a coincidence that that, that happened. Um, But uh, we sing that song sometimes at our church in Japan. Um, So as Bill said, I'm a missionary um, serving in Chiba. Chiba's part of the Tokyo metro area. Um, We love our ministry uh, out there. Um, And uh, we're able to serve there because of churches like you um, who faithfully pray for us and support us. And so we are uh, truly grateful for that. Um, uh, My wife Karen and I uh, met in college. Um, We just celebrated our 25th anniversary uh, in January, um, which was uh, wonderful. We have five kids. Um, We have two left who are with us in Japan or will be going back with us to Japan when we return in April. Um, We have three that will stay here in the U.S. Um, She's unfortunately not with me here today, um, but uh, really hoping uh, next time we come, uh, hopefully, that's not too too long away that she'll be uh, with me. Uh, we've been serving in Japan about um, about nine years now. Um, after serving, as Bill mentioned, uh, in, in Little Rock, Arkansas, as a pastor there, um, <clears throat> where, uh, if you missed, <clears throat> excuse me, if you missed uh, my Sunday school, say we're the team leaders for the Chiba Academics and Outreach Team. Our team runs a Christian school. We do. Uh, outreach, English-based outreach, um, as a way of reaching folks in Japan, and we also serve the church there, as I mentioned, a Yumino Christ Church where I serve. Um, we also, uh, one of Karen's roles is coordinating our intern program, and uh, so if anyone, uh, we have interns, um, we've had them as young as 17 and as old as um, in their seventies. Um, so if you want, if you're interested in becoming an intern, coming out and serving with us for a, a time, we're always looking for folks to come and, uh, jump into our ministry in, in Japan. So, um, I do have some prayer cards, um, some business cards and a sign-up sheet for our email newsletter, um, out in the foyer or narthex or welcome area. I don't know. Every church has a different name for that area out there. Um, We're looking uh, today in the Gospel of John. And uh, the event we're looking at is found only in John's Gospel. Um, This passage comes after Christ's death and the resurrection, after Jesus appeared, the disciples the first time, after he appeared a second time, with Thomas also present. Um, This story records a third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after his resurrection. Um, And it really forms a bookend from uh, the beginning of Jesus' ministry to the end and from the calling of the first disciples to them being sent out uh, on their mission of establishing the church that we see in Acts and through church history. Um, So I'm gonna read uh, from John chapter 21, starting in verse one. Do you all stand for the reading of the word or no? No, okay. Like I said, every church is different, so. I will say, as I read this, um, I hope that everything that I share with you today is, uh, is faithful to God's word. But this is God's word. And so, above everything else that I say today, um, this is the most important. So, please hear this. This is John 21, verses 1 through 22. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathanael of Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we'll go with you. They went out and got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. So they cast it, and now they are not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they are not far from the land, but about 100 yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and so with the fish. This is now the third time Peter was grieved, but he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you are young, you should dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this this recording and the Gospel of John of those events that that morning uh, about 2,000 years ago. Father, I pray that you would speak to us through uh, looking at your word together. Lord, speak through the preaching of your word. Pray your Holy Spirit be present, ministering to all of us, helping us to understand your truth and applying the gospel in our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. I think that Peter... Has always been one of my favorite characters in the Bible. Obviously, Jesus is my favorite character in the Bible, but Peter is the guy that I feel like I relate to the most because he's such a failure. All the disciples fail, all humans fail, but Peter stands out as this one who is so eager to jump in, so confident in his beliefs and so often the one who seems to commit the biggest blunders. I originally thought about naming this sermon, Oh Peter. But when I first wrote it, it was in Japan and I couldn't figure out how to write that in Japanese. So I decided to call it Failure and Restoration. But I want to think about the entire length of Peter's story in particular as we look at what's happening here in John. Now first off, this account was not the first example of a miraculous catch of fish. Let's jump back in time to one of the earliest meetings between Peter and Jesus. All three gospels describe when Jesus called Peter to follow him. So Peter and his brother Andrew were fishermen. They were business partners of a man named Zebedee, whose two sons, James and John, also fished with him. In Matthew 4 and Mark 1, it says that Jesus came upon Peter and his brother Andrew, casting nets into the sea. And Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And then he calls James and John, who it says were on the shore, mending their nets. Well, why were they mending their nets? Well, perhaps it's because of what happened in Luke 5. See, Jesus was preaching to the crowds near the Lake of Galilee, and it says that the crowds were pressing in around him. So he got into Peter's boat, and they moved out a little from the shore. So Jesus wanted to create a, a little bit of a, a space, a kind of a pulpit from which he could preach so that everyone could see and hear him. When he's done preaching, Jesus told Peter, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Peter says, <clears throat> uh, and we fished, all night and didn't catch anything. Don't you love it when you're struggling to do something that you know how to do, and someone who probably doesn't know what they're talking about comes and starts giving you advice? Have you tried fishing over there? Yes. Yes, of course. We tried fishing over there, we tried fishing over there. We've tried fishing everywhere. There aren't any fish. I think uh, Peter tries to be polite to Jesus, so he says, uh, but, but at your word, I will let down the net. He knows there aren't going to be any fish. He knows he is wasting his time. And suddenly there are so many fish in the net that it says it starts to break, which I think is the reason that James and John were mending that net. But how does Peter respond to this miracle? Does he say, oh, thank you, Lord. What a blessing. No, he says, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. Oh, Peter. He sees this miracle. He comes to the conclusion that Jesus is divine, but he doesn't fall down in worship. He doesn't beg Jesus, please let me follow you. He says, get away from me. I appreciate his humility, recognizing he is a sinner and thus unworthy to be in God's presence. But he so misunderstands Jesus. In his fear, he wants distance from the Lord. But Jesus tells him, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. Peter, don't run away. Come and follow me and teach others to follow me. Well, Peter's time following Jesus has several low lights. Think of uh, the the transfiguration. Peter is present as, as Jesus is transfigured. He begins glowing with the Shekinah glory. And Moses and Elijah appear. They begin talking to Jesus. And Peter kind of butts in. He's like, Jesus, do you want me to build some tents for you guys? And this voice from heaven says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Oh, Peter. I too know something about talking when I ought to be listening. In Matthew 16, Jesus asked the disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Disciples answered, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And he says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter makes this amazing confession. He says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Yes, I mean, Peter gets it. What amazing faith and insight Jesus says to him, blessed are you, Peter, because God himself has revealed this to you. But then just a couple verses later, Jesus says, okay, now I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer and die and on the third day rise again. That's the accomplishment of redemption, right? But Peter takes Jesus aside and begins to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. Oh, Peter. You just confessed that Jesus is God. And now you're rebuking him and telling him what to do? There are so many examples of Peter's failures that I could mention. I don't have enough time in the sermon comparing himself with and competing against the other disciples, sleeping while Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, cutting off a servant's ear with his sword, even later in life showing prejudice against the Gentile believers in the church. But I think the worst was on the night when Jesus was betrayed. Matthew 26, starting in verse 31, it says, then Jesus said to the disciples, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I'm raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. And Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. And Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night... Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter said to him, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. You know what happened? After his boast that he would never fall away, after he claimed he would die first, after he said, Even though those others fall away, I will not. Three times. Peter lied and said, I don't know that man. After the third time, it says that Jesus turned and met his eyes. And Peter remembered his boasts and his promises. And he remembered Jesus' words, and it crushed him. And it says he went away and wept bitterly but Jesus hadn't given up on him see today's passage takes place after Jesus has already been raised from the dead and now Peter and the other disciples are sitting around trying to figure out what to do and Peter says well who wants to go fishing you know Jesus is gone their ministry is apparently over what else do these guys know how to do and so they're fishing, and once again, they spend an entire night, and they catch no fish. And this voice from the shore says, have you tried fishing over there? So they cast the net, and now they're not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. And something must have felt so familiar as they saw those fish miraculously overflowing the nets once again and John says what they're all thinking, it's the Lord, <clears throat> and Peter does what anyone would do. He puts his clothes on and he jumps into the lake. Now, probably most of us would take some clothes off before diving into the water, uh, but Peter had been fishing and he was wearing just a, probably just a loincloth, and so he wants to be presentable as he comes before Jesus, so he puts his clothes on and he jumps into the water. But isn't it interesting? Remember the last time with the miraculous catch of fish? And Peter says, get away from me. And now he is jumping in the water to swim to Jesus. He longs to draw near to his savior. And now there's this strange scene as they all eat breakfast together on the shore It says they all knew it was Jesus, but none of them acknowledged it. Like they're just waiting to see what he would say. And then Jesus turns to Peter and says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? More than these other disciples love me? Because you boasted, even if these guys fall away, I never will. And Peter says, yes, Lord, you, you know that I love you. And Jesus asked him again. And then Jesus asked him again. Three times, for the three times that Peter denied him, for the three times he lied and said he didn't know Jesus. And it says Peter was grieved because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. And after each time, Jesus asked him, and Peter responds, he tells him, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. And then he says to him, follow me. The same words Jesus said to him way back in the beginning on the shore of that same lake. Oh, Peter. What are you doing here fishing? I told you, you are going to be a fisher of men. I like Peter because I can relate to him. He was so often a failure, and I look at my life and I am so often a failure. I got a text from my daughter this morning. She said to me, do you know the difference between me and you? She said, I've never been pulled over for speeding in a car. Last night on my way here from uh, the Memphis airport, uh, I got pulled over by one of Mississippi's finest. Uh, You know, I set my cruise control, speed limit 70 set it at 78 cuz i figured well that's not too fast. And i got pulled over and he said i clock you doing 78. <laughs> I guess the cruise control is really accurate. <laughs> and uh he very kindly he said he said what are you in mississippi for and and i said i'm a missionary and i'm going to visit a church i'm speaking tomorrow. Maybe that got me mercy, I'm not sure, but uh, he let me off with a warning. But it wasn't the first time I've gotten pulled over for going a little too fast. You know, I am confronted every day, no, every moment by my failures, by the ways that I fall short. Every angry word that I speak to my wife or my kids every judgmental feeling in my heart every ruptured relationship that I don't know how to repair every incomplete task that just weighs on me every lustful thought every selfish desire every fearful denial of my Savior I can imagine him Oh, Tom, what are you doing? And I know that every one of you also knows what it means to be a failure. I didn't call Bill and ask him. I just know every one of you, it's a human being, it's a fallen, sinful person. Every one of you knows what it means to be a failure. So what do we do with our failure? Does it make you want to run and hide from a holy God? Like Adam and Eve hiding in the garden? Like Peter, get away from me. I'm a sinful man, O Lord. Or does knowing your failure make you want to jump in a lake fully clothed because you won't let anything keep you away from Jesus. In, um, In Luke 22, when Jesus predicted Peter's betrayal, he says this, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you've turned again, strengthen your brothers. I am convinced that we live under the constant attack of Satan. He hates us. He hates the church. Above all, he hates God. And he wants us to fail. He wants to see us bitter and broken, fighting one another, discouraged, weary, and hopeless. He wants us returning to our nets, gathering fish instead of gathering people for God's kingdom. But we need to remember that even when we sin and fail, Jesus prays for us that our faith may not fail. If our faith is in Jesus, he will restore us because we are not saved by our faithfulness we are saved by putting our faith in the one who is faithful and when we turn back to him we are able to strengthen those around us who also are weak and failing just as Peter was restored and the man who abandoned Jesus and swore he didn't know him is the same man who stands up just a a few days, a few weeks later at Pentecost and inaugurates the church when he starts boldly proclaiming the risen Christ, calling on everyone present to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus. The man who had so often failed and would continue to fail in the future becomes a bold evangelist, and missionary, and it says when the Jewish leaders saw and heard him, they couldn't believe it. In Acts 4.13 it says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. What a description, what a high compliment. I would love when people saw and heard me if they said, "That guy has been with Jesus." I pray that for all of us here. I heard a story of a, of a child once, and his parents were trying to explain to him, you know that uh, Jesus, if you believe in Jesus, he will come and live in your heart, and be with you. And this little child is trying to understand this concept, and he he thinks, I'm small. And Jesus is big. He said, if Jesus lives in my heart, won't people be able to see him? Yes. Yes, they will. That's exactly right. I think there's no better way to end this sermon than with Peter's own words. See if you can hear echoes of Peter's experience that morning by the lake in what he wrote in, in 1 Peter chapter five. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful, and establish you. To him with dominion forever and ever. Amen. My friends, even in our failures, let us not lose hope. But know that Jesus is there to restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us to see... Uh, to see our sin with clear eyes. Lord, help us uh, keep us from justifying and blame-shifting, minimizing, or excusing our failures. As we're confronted by our sin, help us not to run and hide, but to boldly uh, come before your throne, confessing our sins and claiming the forgiveness that we have in Christ. Lord, grant us protection from the accusations of the enemy, Though he prowls around like a roaring lion, God seeking to devour us, give us strength that we may resist him and that our faith may not fail. And Lord, help us to be fishers of men. Help us to boldly proclaim the grace of the gospel. Help us to strengthen our brothers and sisters. Help us to display to the watching world the presence of Christ in our hearts and our lives. We pray in his name, amen.